And then it's sitting in the background and waiting for a customer to put in all the details, including the credit card, steals this information and, well, does that again and again. All right. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining this session. This will be the start of a beautiful project uh, Ingram Micro is uh, doing. From now on, we will be producing a monthly podcast with the latest cybersecurity news. I will be your host, Jaap Klapwijk. I'm a cybersecurity specialist at Ingram Micro, the Netherlands. We, I will be the host of uh, most of this uh, future podcast. The focus of this particular podcast, of these, all these podcasts, will be uh, to enlighten and inspire you as a partner of Ingram Micro uh, in the most interesting and increasingly important business, cybersecurity. Our goal with this this podcast is to talk to interesting people and to learn from their stories. So you can bring uh, bring it to your customers and share your insights into the cybersecurity world, which will make you stand out in the security crowd. In our first session, we will be talking about why the SMB, so the small and medium businesses, also need to fear malware and how they can protect themselves. Of course, I will not be monologuing about this subject. Today, we have a very special guest. He is an icon in the security business with over 20 years of experience in the field, working as VP of Cyber Protection Research at Acronis. Candid Weust, welcome. Thank would you. you uh, welcome. Would you, would you introduce yourself uh, to our listeners? Of course. Thanks for having me, Jan. And uh, yeah, welcome to the listeners. So, as already said, my name is Kenneth West. I'm based in Switzerland and one of the headquarters of Acronis here. So looking at my office, of course, I had various roles in the past in IT security. For example, I helped build the Global Semantics Threat Intelligence Lab over the last 17 years. And now I work for Acronis. And as the VP of Cyber Protection Research, me and my global team basically analyze new threats that appear on the internet and then also verify that we can protect our customers and if needed improve any protections for future attacks right and this awesome. means that we hunt for new attacks we dissect new malware that pops up and computer viruses or we just check for the newest phishing trends and i guess as you can imagine no day is the same right the cyber criminals they always try to come up with something new something special and that keeps me going yeah we're we all are working very hard but <laughs> the cyber criminals are working at least as hard and are probably with more than uh, the defense part. Great to see, uh, to have you here in the, our the podcast. It's an honor to speak with you. Um, can you briefly explain what uh, malware is, what it does? Yeah, so malware is basically short for malicious software. So basically it's a program that probably does something on your computer or system that you don't really want it to make. So it could be stealing data, opening a backdoor, or simply crashing the system or deleting data. And overall, malware is an umbrella term. So it kind of contains computer viruses back from the DOS days, Trojan horses, which do something kind of hidden in um, below the normal program, and maybe also the classical ransomware, which encrypts your data. So actually everything we need to stop is can be classified on the malware. Exactly. To simplify nowadays, I would say all the things that probably bother you are malware, 
because usually it's no longer just a virus or just a Trojan horse because they want to have the best of all worlds, so they combine it. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, let's, uh, the, in this podcast, we want to look at uh, real life examples of malware. Um, first, starting with a very big global um, story and then uh, zooming in on uh, a story is uh, interesting for SMB customers. I think it's interesting to look at uh, one global story. Uh, I read about it in a book by, of uh, investigative journalist Hype Mollekoek. It was published in 2019 called Het is oorlog, maar niemand die het ziet. So in English, it's uh, it's war, but nobody sees it. It's about cyber attacks, uh, everything um, cyber related, cyber attacks on Dutch companies, but also a joint efforts of several intelligence agencies because they are also, uh, of course, on the internet and trying to um, get information. And one of the examples in the book was an attack of uh, several intelligence agencies on um, an Iranian nuclear centrifuge. You probably heard about it. It was called uh, Stuxnet. So the attack was successful, but the malware was afterwards released in the wild. So other computers were um, infected as well. Did you, uh, of course you heard about this story, uh, Candid. Can you tell something about it? Sure, yeah. I mean, Stuxnet was definitely a very interesting case. Um, my team at the time was actually one of the first to analyze the code. Um, that was back in 2010. And it definitely was puzzling for us as well. As you said, it kind of started to spread. In the end, over 100,000 systems were infected. And that was not really the intention because they wanted to keep it very small and kind of sharp directed to their target. But it was also one of the most complex malware at the time that I had ever seen till then. It used uh, four zero-day vulnerabilities. So vulnerabilities in software, which there is no patch available because it has been unknown till then. But the main routine was basically spreading through removable USB sticks. So the good old things that we still use nowadays. And this, of course, helped it to jump from one computer to another, also into air-gapped networks. And as you said, kind of a nuclear centrifuge, they're usually, well, I'd say usually not connected to the internet. Actually surprising, some parts are, but there are, of course, some networks which are isolated, air-gapped. And the attackers wanted to infiltrate and actually sabotage that part. So in the first few days when we analyzed it, we didn't really understand what it's trying to do. Um, all we saw was that it's trying to mess with a lot of centrifuges. So it's basically checking if the compromised machine has access to those um, high frequency spinning centrifuges. So programmable logic controller, PLCs, which control all those heavy equipment. Mm -hmm. So probably not what you have at home, right? And then we I were- I don't actually, actually. Yeah, I mean, we didn't either. So we were kind of thinking, could it be something from a hospital, maybe a, a blood uh, centrifuge for some medical device, but it wouldn't really make any sense. And then finally we realized, oh, that's exactly the setup for a uranium enrichment facility, yeah. where you basically have those centrifuges to separate the different gas uh, with the isotopes, um, which of course is very delicate, right? Mm -hmm. So if you mess with that, you mess with the whole process. And yeah. this is exactly what they did. So yeah, yeah, I I read it's uh, put 
the Iranian nuclear program back several several years because of one malware uh, intrusion. Absolutely correct. Yes. So it. In the end, it repeatedly sped up and uh, slowed down the spinning of those centrifuges. Mm. And since they are quite delicate, that kind of generates hardware issues in the ball bearings, which in the end they break. And you can imagine, you cannot really buy them on the shop on the corner, <laughs> uh, specifically not if you're in Iran. So that really brought them um, a few years back. Yeah. And for me, kind of one of the interesting other part was um, they used, of course, the classical thing that you see from every good uh, Hollywood uh, bank heist movie, they recorded over multiple days the normal kind of behavior of those machines and then just replayed that kind of uh, in a loop. So like a CCTV camera where you just record it and then play it back while yeah. they did bad things in, in the background. So the engineers thought nothing was happening because on their data everything seems normal, but in, in truth, it was actually uh, over, uh, overloading. That's exactly the case. So the computer showed all green, so nobody really saw something till the machines actually broke. So that shows, yeah, I mean, sometimes the computers lie uh, and we get yeah. into that more and more. So yeah. it, it is, of course, very dangerous. Um, normally, there are some physical uh, things in place so that it's not just going to explode. So that's the Hollywood part, which is not true, that you just flip one bit in a malware and then suddenly everything explodes. But you can definitely do a lot of damage. And um, it was not the first attack, but definitely the the largest and well-documented, after all, that generated some real-life um, kind of damage to the real world, right, from a yeah. digital malware. And that's where kind of the whole um, yeah panic, of course, started. And the uh, virus escaped, let's call it escape, because somebody put the USB stick in a computer in the centrifuge and then uh, took it outside, probably. Exactly. So people, of course, use USB sticks for, for various other things, right? So yep. uh, it, it hopped from one machine to another. There were some programming errors. So even though there was probably a lot of money behind it and many, many people uh, generating it over m multiple months, it still had a programming error that it it should have stopped copying after a few uh, kind of attempts to spread, but yeah. this didn't work, so that's why it spread uh, kind of indefinitely. So even those uh, nation-state actors make programming errors, right, which kind of shows it is a very complex subject. Yeah, and gives the defense maybe a chance to uh, exploit those errors, hopefully. Exactly, that's what we did as well by kind of using that to trace it. Because one of the interesting part is they were not really sure how successful it would be as well. They actually even tried first to manipulate the, the pressure in the valves before they started with the spinning. So they tried multiple approaches. And for that, they also recorded kind of uh, the whole path of which machines have been infected by which variant. So if you had one, you could trace it back to the patient zero. Yeah. which is, of course, not just interesting for them, but also for the research community. So we were quickly able to really pinpoint down to where it actually all started. Yeah. And did it have uh, consequences uh, for the outside world once the virus escaped? I mean, hundred or over 100,000 machines were infected. But mm -hmm. yes, if, if you're not running uh, uranium enrichment facilities in your basement, which you probably <laughs> don't, or definitely you shouldn't, um, 
it didn't really have any hard consequences. So it did not delete your data. It slowed down the machine and could make it a little bit uh, less stable. But yeah. from that perspective, we've seen a lot more damaging to, let's say, the normal people at home or SMB customers. But it showed that, yes, uh, it definitely can have a global impact. Yeah, it was like one of the first big cybersecurity news stories, at least I heard. And since then, it's just skyrocketed. Yeah, I would say before that, as in 10 years before, uh, Stuxnet was kind of the, the time of the I love you, the Anikornikova or yeah. uh, my doom, all those mass mailing worms, which were embarrassing if you clicked on it because all your friends received the email, but it wouldn't steal your passwords or credit cards, right? It was just... Yeah embarrassing yeah it was more funny than really uh, harmful exactly yeah. uh, but then once we're messing with as i mentioned real machinery in the real world um, and after that of course we've seen attacks where uh, power outages have been generated um, or uh, gas and oil pipelines uh, had to be shut down right recently in the us yeah Th those are things that definitely can concern people i fully understand yeah, and the the criminals now also have a business uh, plan with uh, with malware and ransomware and stuff like that. So it's way more business, which costs millions billions of dollars each year, and not it, something fun in on their basement uh, computer. It it is a huge uh, business, that's for sure. And since you mentioned ransomware, so for example, in the Netherlands. Um, we've seen that 3.3% of all the ransomware that we blocked at Acronis in, our, in uh, EMEA were in the Netherlands. Oh, so really? Basically, it ranked the sixth highest um, blocked or uh, infection rate of ransomware in the last quarter, showing that there is, of course, money. And not all yeah. of the groups make millions and billions, but, for example, the, the Conti ransomware, which had, I think, over 750 confirmed compromises uh, they made over 2.7 billion with a b in yeah, quote crazy. unquote revenue so yeah with very little cost exactly so yeah. it's it's understandable that they want to keep doing that and they definitely invest as well in new ideas how to spread it new ideas how to exfiltrate data and then not just hold your data um kind of ransom but say hey even if you do have a backup, we will just publish it and you have to pay a privacy fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think an example closer to home, much more recent as well, is a report of Malwarebytes. Recently said that hundreds of web shops uh, of Magento were uh, infected with, with malware because of an outdated plugin. And they stole a lot of data and credit card information of probably thousands of customers. I think that's a great example of trying to make money out of all these uh, attacks. And it's a very good example to show as well that it can happen to everyone and anyone, right? Yeah. It's it's not just the big companies. It can be your small shop, but just because you're running an outdated uh, mage card, we've seen it with uh, WordPress, Typo3, all those, say, simple plugins that you might use for your website. Mm -hmm. If you don't update them, then of course they can be a stepping stone or an entry point for an attacker to get in and yes the the attack here um that's called mage cart or form jacking it's basically the attacker they try to find some web shops and then they will add a small javascript to the website uh, 
which also does the um, the billing, so where you enter your credit card information. Yeah. And, and then it's sitting in the background and waiting for a customer to put in all the details, including the credit card, steals this information and, well, does that again and again. It's the real one that has been compromised, so it's very hard for the normal people to, to see it because they might even get their goods delivered after all, but the credit card is now stolen. Yeah, so their, their information is sent to the um, correct uh, place, so the order can be processed, but also to the hackers uh, who installed the, the malware. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And of course, that also means that if you are a business owner and this happens to you, then, well, A, your customers might not be too happy, and B, uh, there have been already some rulings under uh, GDPR, so the privacy uh, regulation, that yep. they had to pay a fine because they're not protecting this critical sensitive information uh, adequately. Yeah, and probably uh, customers will be hesitant to order again at the same web shop. So that's future revenue as well. I definitely would. Um, I mean, we, we all know there's a, a hard fight in so many web shops. So. Yes, stuff like this can definitely ruin the business. Um, so yep. better not to fall for it. So I guess one lessons learned is you should always make sure that your website is secure and that includes patching of all the software being used. Yeah, um, but maybe uh, those web shops who have been targeted and have been fa have fallen victim are the now the most secure web shops because they know what can happen and want to uh, prevent it. Let's definitely hope, um, yeah. but of course, <laughs> they, they have to keep uh, working on it. Um, for example, last year we saw over 20,000 vulnerabilities being reported. So yeah. not all of them are critical, uh, so some of them are just minor ones uh, revealing too much information. But you can imagine that's a few hundred per month, so there's a high chance that one or two will actually affect you. And yeah, means you have to do it every month. The patch Tuesday from Microsoft and others. Yeah, is something that you should have in your plan and do, because otherwise you and your customers might be at risk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And talking about data loss, well, when um, credit card information is stolen by criminals, it doesn't matter if you get it back because they got the information. That's of course horrible. But when we're looking at other malware uh, on customers' environments and their customer data or um, their data about a new event they want to start or a new product um, gets lost because of uh, malware. What's your um, advice for customers about uh, data loss prevention? I mean, the first is, of course, try to make that it's not happening, so prevention. Yeah. But I know that's always easy to say, right? In hindsight, we're yeah. always smarter. Yeah, but uh, of course, it, once you have data that you think you should protect, uh, definitely look into data loss prevention software, which basically can monitor if any of your sensitive information is used and kind of leaves your organization in a way that it normally doesn't, and then either block it, encrypt it, or at least alert you. Yeah, and then the second one is, or third one is, of course, yes, if it does happen and. Some cyber criminals have stolen some information from you, your customers, and maybe even already published it. Um, mm -hmm. There's unfortunately not much you can do, as in once it's on the internet, it stays there, right? That's yeah. the old saying. Mm -hmm. And basically, it means that you need to know where there are any passwords involved. And if so, change those passwords, 
because the attackers will definitely misuse it, right? And that can be follow-up attacks. Yeah. If there's customer involved, I would definitely inform them. So have a incident response plan with communication plan in place that you can use because it's always bad as a customer if you read it in the, uh, the, the newspaper. daily newspaper first. Yeah. Again, as you said, that kind of um, breaches the trust in the brand and they will just switch to someone else. Yeah, and the GDPR laws will be severely handled by the police, let's call it that. But uh, if you are honest from the start and inform people, uh, then if you just hide it and try to act like nothing happens, right? Because in the end, it always gets out, right? Yeah, um, exactly. The, nowadays, it's hard to 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 not have someone post something on Twitter, on, I don't know, uh, LinkedIn or TikTok or wherever. So <laughs> yeah. sooner or later, some of the journalists will know about it, uh, specifically if yeah their, their own information has been targeted. Yeah. And yes, I mean, I personally hate it if you read that, oh, your privacy is important to us and nothing has been stolen. And the day later you see, oh, actually some data has been stolen, but don't worry, not much. And then a day later, oh, actually all of the data has been stolen. Yeah. And that you should probably really cancel your credit card now because in the future it might be, uh, uh, you might lose, lose some money, stuff like that. Yeah. Which generates a lot of work for you as well. And I yeah. mean, as you say, just be honest from the beginning. So for me, that's a preparation. Uh, which basically goes yeah. with all the cyber attacks, actually. Um, you should definitely have a plan to be prepared if something happens that you know which steps are you taking. As in, I usually take the example of the ransomware, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know how to restore all the data if they have been encrypted locally? Do you know yeah. who to call in your organization? Maybe the one with the one master password is actually on vacation and, and your business is down till you reach him. That's yeah. not really a good strategy, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that's the that, preparation is uh, uh, might be um, as important as uh, getting the, the a new firewall, a gateway, stuff like that. Yeah, it, it yeah. has to be a combination and, and of all. And yeah, I mean, uh, as we were talking here and probably will be talking in future podcasts, there's more and more development with new attacks coming. So um, you have to keep uh, kind of the awareness level high and update yourself because yeah. if you just say, oh, no, I, I did that five years ago, that's not going to protect you tomorrow no, or at no. least not enough. Talking about the future, what uh, are your expectations of the future? What kind of attacks um, do you see that are growing or do you expect in the future? Well, per se, I would say that it's definitely going to be more of the same. So we will see the frequency increases because the attackers, they're using lots of automation and they have also started using machine learning and artificial intelligence. So your traditional phishing emails telling you, hey, there's a uh, package delivery, uh, get your parcel now, that will be a lot more personalized. So they will have your name, say, yup, there's a, a parcel in uh, Utrecht, uh, it's stock, please click here to get all the information. Yeah. So they, they will automate that, making it, of course, more successful. And they will vary it as well so that the traditional signatures against malware will be less effective as you basically get your own personalized uh, malware, which, yeah, might be fun, but it, it's not helping <laughs> in the protection. Yeah, that's not something you want. Personalized. As, as, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not, I mean, 
me as a researcher, of course, I love that. But mm-hmm. I'd say as yeah. a regular customer, you don't really want to have that personalized malware. No, it's it's extremely interesting, but it's also extremely dangerous, of course, for the customers. And we we also see that many of the customers, I mean, we already talked about that they think, oh, it's never going to happen to me, right? I'm a small organization. Why would anyone target me? Yeah. But many of those ta- attacks, they just go through the whole internet and search for Magento, search for exchange servers, or search for remote desktop protocol uh, machines which have a weak password, and then just brute force it, just guess it. Yeah. So they might so... not even know if you're big or small. They just mm-hmm. go for the low hanging fruits. Yeah. So even the small uh, clothing shop, uh, which started a web shop in, during the pandemic with Magento and with that plugin can be targeted when they just have uh, a few hundred dollars of euros in um, income each month. I would say but all, they, but they also the big, uh, big enterprises. They are definitely targeted and I would say uh, they might not even know it, right? That That's the second question. Yeah. Um, do they realize when they have been compromised? Because not all of the attacks are very loud and noisy. Um, if they just want to steal your credit card information, they try to be as sneaky as possible to stay the longest period of time to get the best uh, benefit and profit for them. Yeah. Yeah. And your business is growing, so their business will be growing. Yeah. yeah. You could think yeah. it's a win-win, but it definitely isn't. <laughs> it yeah. definitely isn't. No. For them, it's a win-win. But for uh, for us uh, honest people, it definitely isn't. No. Yeah. And, and I think another point, uh, since we're talking about growing, is um, we, we've seen a huge growth of uh, cloud migration, the kind of digital transformation, where during the pandemic, uh, companies went to the cloud. And I assume yeah. uh, you saw the same in the Netherlands, right? Yeah, definitely. And there, I mean, the problem is some of the companies, they don't have a, a good partner like you on their side helping them. So we've seen that many move to the cloud but the configuration is not good. So yeah. they have default configuration, meaning that maybe they're using a Amazon AWS S3 data bucket, which is like a, let's say, a, a data shared drive. But if you misconfigure it, then everyone can read the data. Yeah. And again, that's not really what you want to have, but it happens over and over again. So uh, I've seen it on a daily basis that we, we come across some of those which definitely should not be shared by everyone. Yeah, I, in the mar- I see in the market a lot of uh, customers with way too much um, belief that the cloud will be safe without them having to do that much. So they know, okay, when it's on-premise, it's my computer, it's my server, I have to protect it. But when they think, okay, it's now uh, in, in a public cloud, they will handle it for me. Which they can, but you need to ask them. Uh, and normally means, yes, they don't do it on default. So you no. you as an organization, you're still the custodian of your data. So you have to make it secure. And it's not going to get better as, of course, we see more with containers and a- APIs getting attacked directly. We see cloud-to-cloud attacks coming as well, where they don't even touch your kind of legacy um, on-premise solutions. Mm-hmm. So the cloud is definitely here to stay but the attackers are there as well. So make yeah. sure that you protect yourself there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, I think we will be heading to the end of this uh, podcast. 
thank you so much, uh, Candid, for your insights about this. Is there something um, you want to say that you think you need to say still? Or uh... I think we had a nice coverage, so thanks. Um, probably all I need left to say is uh, stay cyber fit. So don't give up the fight, right? You can and should fight back. Yeah. Um, but you definitely have to stay on current and things like this podcast can definitely help you get your toe into it and learn more about what you should actually do. Yeah, there's a lot of bad guys, but there's a lot of good guys as well. You just have to find them. And that's also something, of course, Ingram Micro um, wants to help you with. So uh, reach out to us. We will help you um, starting with IT security or um, progressing with it. Um, we want to thank everybody. But first, um, some points in our description text. There will be a link to the podcast notes. And we will share some extra additional information, um, some links about the topics we talked about, and also uh, the way to reach out to us. So, um, like I said, we will happily help you with all your questions about uh, cybersecurity and other IT-related questions, of course. I want to thank you, Candid, uh, very much for uh, your insights. You've Thanks had some for having incredibly me. Uh, interesting points. My so, pleasure. Yeah, great. We um, should really do this again later in this uh, series of podcasts. And of course, we want to thank the listeners for listening till the end. I hope you all found it very interesting and learned something new today. Uh, because um, let's face it, that should be our goal every day to learn something, to get smarter so we can keep outsmarting uh, the bad guys. Let's, call, let's keep calling them that. So this podcast will be a monthly uh, podcast. So keep an eye on the next one. Like, share, and of course, subscribe to our channel. So you will be notified uh, when the next security podcast comes out. So thank you everybody for listening and uh, hope to see you soon.